Now the concept of secularism, communalism and nationalism in those days. Tiwari is outraged that Subhash Pos describes the Hindu Mahasabha as a communal party, speaking of them in the same terms as the Muslim League. And he refers to the Indian National Congress as nationalist, just as the politics of today. But the term communal also did not have the same connotations that time as today. Firstly, the term secularism as counterposed with communalism was not much in circulation at that time. It was hardly used. The opposite of the term communalism was nationalism. And this simply meant that some parties uh, catered to limited community interests while others were nationalist in orientation. It is in this sense that the words of Subhash Chandra Bose after a meeting with Savarkar on June 21st or 22nd 1940 have to be regarded. Bose had said Mr. Jinnah was then thinking only of how to realize his plan of Pakistan with the help of the British. Mr. Savarkar seemed to be oblivious of the international situation and was only thinking how Hindus could secure military training by entering Britain's army in India. From these interviews, the writer himself uh, was forced to the conclusion that nothing could be expected from either the Muslim League or the Hindu Mahasabha. Alighting out of this meeting, Bose appeared somewhat disappointed in terms of the outcome and his words that time have been used by leftist secularist writers to claim Bose as their own, as these have been used by our friend Tiwari to implicate him as anti-Hindu. Bose's outlook was principally nationalistic, who did not want the intrinsic weaknesses of Indians to come in the way of their greatness as a nation in the world stage as he envisioned India. He appears frustrated in his attempt to build a broad coalition for a nationwide movement against the British government and was clearly disappointed with both. To understand this better, let us take a look at how Aurobindo thought about these two characters at the opposite ends of the spectrum. He says, strange as it may appear, Mr. Savarkar and Mr. Jinnah instead of being opposed to each other on the one nation versus two nations issue are in complete agreement about it. Both agree, not only agree but insist that there are two nations in India, one the Muslim nation and the other the Hindu nation. This was the cause for Bose's frustration. He was aware that if India failed to bridge this gap, she will be fractured and weakened which would suit the imperialists designs just as they had been successful in doing in other parts of the world. This was the feeling of all leaders with a nationalist orientation and this is what uh, even Aurobindo said. India is free, but she has not achieved unity, only a fissured and broken freedom. The old communal division into Hindu and Muslim seems to have hardened into the figure of a permanent political division of the country. It is to be hoped that the Congress and the nation will not accept the settled fact as forever settled or as anything more than a temporary expedient. For if it lasts, India may be seriously weakened, even crippled. Civil strife may remain always possible, possible even a new invasion and foreign conquest. The partition of the country must go. It is to be hoped by a slackening of tension 
by a progressive understanding of the need of peace and concord, by the constant necessity of common and concerted action, even of an instrument of union for that purpose. In this way, unity may come about under whatever form. The exact form may have a pragmatic but not a fundamental importance. But by whatever means, the division must and will go. For without it, the destiny of India might be seriously impaired and even frustrated. But that must not be. These words echo the thought and motivation of Subhash Bose. Now, Savarkar was also in this group that did not want partition. As Aurobindo says further, they, Savarkar and Jinnah, differ only as regards the terms and conditions on which the two nations should live. Mr. Jinnah says India should be cut up into two, Pakistan and Hindustan, the Muslim nation to occupy Pakistan and the Hindu nation to occupy Hindustan. Mr. Savarkar, on the other hand, insists that although there are two nations in India, India shall not be divided into two parts, one for Muslims and the other for the Hindus, that the two nations shall dwell in one country and shall live under the mantle of one single constitution, that the constitution shall be such that the Hindu nation will be enabled to occupy a predominant position that is due to it and the Muslim nation made to live in the position of subordinate cooperation with the Hindu nation. Now, this is faithful to the ideology that Savarkar represents, but it does not address how this ideal situation is going to be achieved. Would Muslims accept the proposition of a predominant position of Hindus? If indeed partition was not acceptable, as an option, the only other option was accepting a workable compromise that ensured mutual coexistence and peace. This entailed a hard-headed, honest look at the differences, sensitivities, triggers and to develop a scope of cooperation. This is what the Bengal Pact did and the Lucknow Pact of 1916 proposed to do. This cannot happen from a rigid ideological position. Fact is, even until this time, most people did not, could not conceive of a partition of India. This is the reason for limited appeal of both these parties, uh, which we will look at presently. S. Krishnaiyar, in a forward block issue of December 30th, 1939, writes of Savarkar as follows. And it can be assumed it reflects uh, Bose's view as well, since he used to edit uh, this maxim. Mr. Savarkar has evidently been, been embittered by the sinister growth of Muslim communalism in the country. It is undoubtedly a most sickening and dangerous phenomenon in Indian politics today. But his panache for the grave evil is undoubtedly of a desperate nature. It is neither practicable nor prudent to divide the country into warring camps and thus prepare it for a future bloodbath. These lines clearly reveal Bose's acknowledgement of the Muslim menace and an understanding of Savarkar's reasons. Yet he stressed on a practical solution for bridging the widening chasm, failing which the only casualty would be Indian nation-owned. Now, were there any Muslim nationalists to work with? Sarvesh Tiwari has a problem that Fazlul Haq is uh, referred to as a nationalist Muslim by Bose. 
But he neglects to tell you that during the Khilafat movement, Haq led the anti-Khilafat non-cooperation faction within the Bengal Provincial Muslim League against the pro-Ottoman faction. He was like the Swarajists. He favoured working uh, within the constitutional framework uh, rather than boycotting legislatures and colleges. He was instrumental in the Lucknow Pact between the Indian National Congress and the Muslim League which was a hope of bringing a resolution to the differences between the two communities, the communities to avert partition. He concurrently held the presidentship of Muslim League and the general secretaryship of Congress. He resigned uh, from Congress later. Now, Diarchy gave way to an autonomous provincial system with the Government of India Act of 1935 which replaced provincial ministries responsible to legislatures for some of the functions of government with ministries responsible for all. And even though Fazlul Haq won the elections of Bengal Provincial Council with heavy majority, he gave half the positions in his cabinet to Hindus. His second government formed in December 1941 was a coalition and supported by whom? Not the Muslim League. Haq had been ousted from the league after a conflict with uh, Jinnah. Supporters included the Krishak Praja Party, led by Shamsuddin Ahmad, the forward bloc, Swarajist members of the Bengal Congress, and the Hindu Mahasabha, led by Shama Prasad Mukherjee. Even in this cabinet, Hindus and Muslims were evenly represented. In fact, Savarkar expressed appreciation for the successful functioning of the government under Fazlul Haq, the same who Tiwari calls a jihadi. It was after Haq's resignation, forced by the British governor, that Muslim League separatist politics came to the fore in Bengal. Haq later joined the Bengal Krishak Praja Party, which staunchly opposed the idea of Pakistan. It should be understood that uh, the Government of India Act of 1935 was not really well-meaning. It was actually meant to break India to several pieces by increasing the power of the provinces, uh, princely states and minority communities who refused to let the Congress, which pitched itself and was perceived as a nationalist, uh, uh, as a national party, to speak for them. The communal award of 1932 was a prelude to it, creating separate electorates for minority religions and the so-called depressed classes and reserved seats. And this is what uh, fierce nationalists like Bose were against, creating factions instead of reinforcing the national identity. They saw merit in measures that mainstreamed all uh, identities into a national one. And Bose's statement, which Tiwari is portraying negatively, affirmed this view. The introduction of, Khilafat, uh, of the Khilafat question into Indian politics was unfortunate, as has already been pointed out. If the Khilafatist Muslims had not started a separate organization, but had joined the Indian National Congress, the consequences would not have been so undesirable. This is not appeasement. It was not said to justify the violence uh, that resulted from the Khilafat affair. He was against ghettoization of identities, which can turn any community against the 
uh, national identity. This is what Muslim League politics began with, first demanding reservations, then separate electorates and finally separate nations. Didn't we see it happening with the Sikhs, Dalit minoritism, Buddhist separatism? Even some Jains have started this Hindu hostile discourse. The story of uh, Shaivites persecuting the Jains in Madurai, etc. The problem therefore is more with minority identity politics rather than minority itself. Creating factions based on minority identities is anti-national. It is equal to conceding that minority aspirations will not be fulfilled within the national identity. Ironically, we continue the uh, same politics today. This is what Subhash Post meant by communalism. Stating that Muslims and Hindus are separate nations is communalism, irrespective of whether it is said aggressively uh, like Muslim League or defensively like Mahasabha. And even if the latter did not actually want partition, one has to acknowledge that Muslim communal aspirations are going to remain, no matter how many parts you cut out of your country. It has to be minimized and managed by mainstreaming, making them believe that their aspirations will be fulfilled by a united nation only. Clearly, a whole lot of Muslims pre-partition also thought so. This will not work by making differences with their worldview the ground for permanent antagonism. It is quite clear from Bose's calculated and clear-cut uh, moves in Germany that he knew well enough how the Muslim mind worked, but he realized that it had to be negotiated, not negated and neutralized from interfering with the national process. This Akhand Bharat picture which the Virat Hindus faced on their profiles but are clueless in reality how this is going to be achieved. Bose was actually working towards it. He had a much greater vision of India. This cannot be achieved in an ideologues, ideologues purist dream. It needs a very clear mind in touch with realpolitik. So, what were the realistic prospects? One has to remember that until 1937, Muslim League politics continued to be focused on India rather than separatism. Even in the 1930 declaration of Muhammad Iqbal, the idea was of a federal structure within an Indian confederacy. Muslim League politics weared off towards separatism in 1940 with the Lahore Resolution. In this, Haq had actually proposed several autonomous Muslim-majority states rather than a unified Pakistan. It is notable that delegates of Punjab and Bengal were firmly opposed to the idea of Pakistan. They were for autonomous states based on ethnicity and uh, religious demography. Muslim League started their mobilization for Pakistan 1937 onwards under Jinnah with processions and strikes etc. But they did not have significant success. Even the students and faculty of Aligarh Muslim University supported the All India Nationalist Movement until 1939. Muslim League for the first time started attracting masses after the Lahore Resolution and even then they did not by any means represent the majority of Muslims. In opposition to the Lahore Resolution, a gathering of the All India Azad Muslim Conference 
a huge coalition of nationalist Muslims representing multiple organizations came together in Delhi in April 1940, giving a call for a united India. The attendance at this rally was reported to be about five times than the attendance at the league meeting. They fiercely opposed separatist Muslims. Their leaders were the Deobandi scholar Maulana Saeed Hussain Ahmed Madani. He travelled across British India spreading the idea that he wrote about in his book, Composite Nationalism and Islam. <clears throat> which uh, stood for Hindu-Muslim unity and opposed the concept of partition of India. One of their very popular uh, leaders was Allah Baksh Sumro. He was murdered in uh, 1943, most likely by Muslim League goons. And after his uh, demise, it is said, it became easier for the All India Muslim League to push the demand for creation of Pakistan. Then there was the Unionist Party of Punjab with leaders like Sikandar Hayat Khan, Fazli Hassan and Chotu Ram, which stood for united Punjabi identity, including Muslims, Sikhs and Hindus. Like the Swarajists, uh, they had prevailed in Punjab politics until 1923 and dominated right up till the 1937 provincial elections, in which Muslim League uh, lost dismally. Muslim League was a very elitist outfit and not until the 1946 provincial elections did they have any significant electoral wins. There was another movement in Punjab, the Khaksas of Allama Mashriki. I am surprised that Sarvesh Tiwari labels Mashriki as a jihadi. The Khaksas were kind of Islamic Unitarians, if you will. They believed in unity of the divine and of mankind and rejected Islamic exclusivity and the idea of jihad. They were fiercely opposed to the partition agenda of Muslim League. They were known to have saved many Hindu and Sikh lives in the partition violence. Some Khaksar volunteers gave up their own lives trying to save them. The organization also fought many INA cases. They did want a dispensation by majority Muslims, but they cannot be called jihadis. This is a case of tilting at the windmills, which Virat Hindus do all the time. Then they were the Khudai Khidmatgar, led by Khan Abdul Ghaffar Khan, and scores of others Anjumani Watan Baluchistan, All India Jamur Muslim League, All India Momin Conference, Jamai Tulemai Hind, Majlis Eharar Ul Islam, All India Momin Conference, All India Shia Political Conference, Krishak Praja Party, All India Muslim Majlis. Jamaat Ahli Hadis and many Christian and uh, Sikh groups as well. So, was Bose uh, ignorant about Muslim separatism and pan-Islamism? In one of his Radio Azad Hind broadcasts, he says, I appeal to the brave Majlis-e-Aharar, the Nationalist Muslim Party of India that started the civil disobedience campaign in 1939 against Britain's war effort before any other party did so. I appeal to the Jamaatul Ulema, the old representative organization of the Ulemas or the Muslim Divines of India, led by that distinguished patriot and leader Mufti Kefayatullah. I appeal to the Azad Independent Muslim League, another important organization of the Nationalist Muslims of India. 
I appeal to the Akali Dal, the leading nationalist Sikh party of India. And last but not the least, I appeal to the Praja Party of Bengal, which commands the confidence of that province and is led by well-known patriots. I have no doubt that if all these organizations join in this struggle, the day of India's liberation will be drawn nearer. As can be seen, the appeal is addressed selectively to those Muslim organizations that stood for a unified India, something that he desperately strove for. Bose's idea was to harness these sentiments of unity rather than alienating them with uh, hardline postures. We have today in India created one block of all these divergent streams of Muslims because of minoritism and then we complain Muslims act as a block. This is exactly what Bose was against. He was rallying Muslims who identified with the Indian nation rather than pan-Islamism. And if there weren't any nationalist Muslims, why do Hindu nationalists today talk uh, to people like Tarek Patel, Taslim Anasrin, Tahir Gora, Khalid Umar? Virat Hindus rally behind uh, these people. Tiwari has also claimed that Bose was ambivalent on the question of partition, basing this on a singular sentence that he picks out from one of the Azad Hind broadcasts, where Bose actually throws a calculated bait at Jinnah that Pakistan could be created only, only under a national government. Tiwari ignores the literally hundreds of emphatic statements before and after this from Bose vehemently opposing partition and playing Jinnah and the Muslim League. The particular broadcast where he is quoting from has long passages before this sentence addressing all nationalist sentiments to come together for independence. He mentions the nationalist Muslim organizations to keep up their struggle for a united India. He elaborately explains how Anglo-American internationalism exploits uh, divisions to break up nations, weaken them and dominate them. He says uh, that the British you support will break you up and keep exploiting you. A quote uh, from this address, the Union Jack would then fly not only over the capital of India as at present, but over the capitals of Hindustan, Pakistan, Rajasthan, Khalistan and Pathanistan and the Indian people would be given a British guarantee of permanent enslavement. Let Mr. Muhammad Ali Jinnah and his Muslim League ponder over this. And then he says uh, that line for Jinnah, ke bhai, bina independence ke aapko Pakistan bhi milega. Meaning why not come together uh, for the sake of independence? Because Muslim League was supporting the British war, in return extracting the promise of Pakistan. This entire speech Tiwari has not mentioned. He only picks out that single line to portray Bose as equivocating on Pakistan. Is this not dishonesty? Without the slightest chance of a doubt, Bose was a fierce nationalist who could never be persuaded to accept partition at no cost unlike politicians and ideologues of that time who did. Had he been there, he would have done all his all to prevent it and very likely succeeded. Tiwari denies uh, that Mujibur Rahman's words conveyed an element of Bose's appeal among Muslims, but reproducing that quote from Mujib's biography, when we listen to Subhash Bose addressing us on the radio from Singapore, we used to get excited 
it seemed to us that if he managed to land his troops in Bengal, it would be easy for us to oust the English. But then again it occurred to us that having him in Bengal would not bring us any nearer to Pakistan. And what would happen to the millions of Muslims of the country then? But then again I thought that someone who could leave everything in his country to spearhead a movement for its independence could never be parochial in his outlook. In my mind, my respect for Subhash Bose continued to grow. Clearly, he saw Bose's appeal among Indians beyond parochial boundaries. Tiwari's disconnect lies in viewing the Hindu Mahasava as the pivot of Hindus. But was it really so? Fact of the matter is, they had absolutely no representation among Hindus. His view of Indian National Congress as anti-national is based on the present-day perceptions, not how the party was regarded at that time. It was very much a nationalist party and also a Hindu representation primarily. And this is clear from Bose's statement, which Tiwari is misrepresenting as anti-Hindu. Hindu Mahasabha has come forward to play a political role and to make a bid for the political leadership of Bengal, or at least of the Hindus of Bengal who have been the backbone of nationalism in this country. With a real Hindu Mahasabha, we have no quarrel and no conflict. But with a political uh, Hindu Mahasabha that seeks to replace the Congress in the political life of Bengal and for that purpose has already taken the offensive against us, a fight is inevitable. This fight has just begun. He is clear that Hindu Mahasabha as representatives of Hindu communal interests are acceptable. This was Savarkar's reasoning too, that as long as Muslim League existed, there should be an organization that represented Hindu rights as well. But Bose was clear that this subjective limited viewpoint could not replace or derail the nationalist vision. One quote where he articulates the problem and uh, the task of genuine nation builders. I believe that what is wanted most of all is the will to be one nation and to hold together as one nation when foreign domination ceases. Thus, to my mind, the problem of unity is largely a psychological problem. The people must be educated and drilled to feel that they are one nation. Other factors like uh, language, dress, food, etc. may help unity but cannot create it.